This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. There is a special offer for new FanDuel users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get that free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's more than $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. It's Chris Liss. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast, and I am joined by Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don, as usual. And uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Um, I've always made fun of you for being absent-minded, and uh, you uh, you came. You did not disappoint today. Uh, you said uh, meet at a certain time to do the podcast, and about 45 minutes past that time, I emailed you saying, "Are, are you okay?" I mean, I'm always concerned about your you know your health and well-being with the way you live, so I just assumed the worst. But of course, it was just you had totally forgotten about it. So uh, again, proof that you're absent-minded, just completely spaced out. You're just you're just checked out. Completely in life. <laughs> I've checked out completely. Yeah, I'm totally. Well, actually, what happened was uh, usually we do it before the XM show, and I didn't get much sleep last night, and I was trying to squeeze it in before the show. You, as usual, slept extremely late. Uh, we're not able to wake up in time for the to do it at the regular time. So we. Hold on, no, you didn't later. give me any notice. First of all, normally we do it on a completely different day, and you didn't give me any notice until a 2 a.m. email my time. I woke up, and right. yes, it was a little bit past. I gave my daughter breakfast. I checked my email, and this it was too late at that point. But come on now. Let's let's tell the whole story here. It was like this morning. I was like, shit, it's Tuesday. I got to get on a plane on Thursday, so I'm not going to be able to deal with editing this or recording it You know, for the tout. And so I was like, ah, shit, I should just probably just do it this morning. So I just sent you an email when I woke up. At like 9 a.m. my time, which clearly you're not going to be awake then. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe you'll get woken up at like 7, check your email, and be like, all right, I can do it. So you're right. You're right in this case. I'm wrong. I admit it. All right. So um, I just have a couple things to go through. Not not a lot going on right now. I'm excited to go to um, to fly to Las Vegas Friday. I know you're going to Tout uh, this weekend in New York, uh, and I'm flying to Las Vegas for League of Leagues uh, weekend of debauchery. Should should be pretty fun, so I'm looking forward to that. But um. You know, this past uh, Saturday night was uh, one of the more underrated and overlooked uh, sporting nights uh, in a while, actually. Uh, it wasn't really looked forward to that way, but I know not, not many people these days follow boxing. But yeah, um, no, I, I, I actually saw, I was, I, some reason I saw something, I was like, when is he fighting this guy? I saw an ad for a Golovkin fight. What happened? All right, so first of all, the undercard, boxing never has worthy undercards, what's, let alone main events, but... Roman Gonzalez, uh, Choco Latito, is actually considered by all the reputable sources as the best pound-for-pound pound boxer in the world. It's only like 115 pounds, so it's you know, and he's not that well known, obviously. But he was undefeated, 46 and 0, and uh, 
It's already being called fight of the year. Obviously, the year is young, but nearly 2,000 punches were thrown in this fight, and he lost the decision. It was probably the wrong decision, and a rematch will, will occur, but it was an amazing, awesome fight. And that was just the undercard. Triple G had knocked out 23 straight opponents. Um, everyone's waiting for him to fight Canelo. And this guy, Daniel Jacobs, a, a cancer survivor, everyone considered him Triple G's toughest opponent, but still the odds were like minus 700. Most people didn't expect it to last more than five or six rounds. And it went the distance. And I, I thought it was extremely close. Could have gone either way. And uh, Triple G won the decision. Another really good fight. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a boxing fan, that was absolutely a fantastic pay-per-view event. So you used to be in, into boxing, though, right? I mean, this was a terrific, uh, terrific uh, Saturday night of, of fights. And um, oh, I, I Triple G lost? People ordered the he lost? No, tri Triple G won, but it was a decision. He had, he had 23 straight I knockouts see, see. entering this fight. Right. What happens if Triple D fights Triple G? Who wins that? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, I, I do have a little bit of a, a weight. Actually, I don't. Actually, he has weight on me these days. I've lost some weight, and um, actually, um, not not due to exercise, by the way. But um, uh, I, I think I would give him uh, the slight. He'd be the slight favorite. Yeah, I would imagine. But I fight dirty. Speaking of fighting fans, I know you don't care about this, but it, 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 I can't believe it. But it sounds like closer and closer that Mayweather. Uh, the Mayweather um, fight really is going to happen with McGregor, and that is just going to be absurd. Coming out of retirement, 49-0, uh, McGregor's never had a boxing match. That will absolutely shatter pay-per-view records, and it actually sounds like that. It's only it's imminent that they're going to both sign on the dotted line, and um, I, there's just too much money, I guess, for it to not to happen, and that's going to be quite the spectacle. But it's going to be a terrible fight, right, because Floyd's just going to punch him 50 times and clutch and dodge and punch him 50 times. And Almost. no one's going to get hurt in that fight at all unless Conor McGregor tackles him and starts just ground and pounding him to death. And if he doesn't just – if he can – if he has enough restraint to just actually box, he's going to get schooled, right? Almost certainly. Yeah, I mean, Mayweather is uh, – This is just a cynical money play where they're just going to take all this money and it's going to be the worst fight ever. It'll be hilarious to build up to because both talk so much shit. And especially McGregor knows how to sell fights. And there'll be all these UFC people thinking that he can win and all these boxing purists knowing that Mayweather will win. And, um, you know, Mayweather's up there in age, and McGregor is the naturally bigger guy. So, I mean, some people could talk themselves into no that. Way. But no the, way. The odds will be heavily, no heavily in Mayweather's favor. I know. I, I hear you. I, I totally agree. But anyway, so th that was really good, boxing. Uh, there was still some March Madness um, going on. And then, I don't know, I found myself, like a lot of people, really into the WBC th this time around. I've never really paid it much attention, but... These guys, these baseball players are getting so into it. And, and it, basically, it's they're treating it like World Series. And um, I, I found it very interesting. And uh, the U.S. played that same exact time, Saturday night, against the Dominican Republic. And uh, John Carlos Stanton hit the fourth fastest home run, due, uh, and according to StatCast. Adam Jones robbed Machado of a home run and one of the best catches you will ever see. His teammate, obviously, the Orioles, and they tipped each other's uh, cap to each other. A great game. U.S. won, advanced to the semifinals. Um, again, there was March Madness. So, really, Saturday night was an underrated, awesome sports night. So, wait. So, what's going on? It's U.S. versus who? First, Japan in the semis and one? tonight. That'll already happen by the time you probably edit this. So, that, that is Tuesday night. Okay. And how much Tuesday. did you bet on the U.S. tonight? Um, I haven't yet. They're slight underdogs. And, and uh, there was an, uh, a, 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 the winner takes on Puerto Rico tomorrow. Puerto Rico has not lost a game 
uh, this tournament. And one thing that's kind of kind of sucks, but fun- fundamentally it makes sense because you can't have these players going deep in extra innings and all that. But it went into the 11th inning last night, and uh, when it gets to that stage, uh, the inning starts with runners at first and second. So it kind of cheapens their win a little bit, but again, they have not lost yet. And the winner of tonight's game uh, uh, plays faces them tomorrow. Should, what about? Do you think I should lay some wood on uh, on on the U.S. tonight? Kind of surprised the U.S. is favored over Japan. I mean, the Japan no, they're not. No, no, the they're like dogs. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, I don't think they've lost either. They're you no. Know, obviously, it's I not mean, our A team. Who's pitching for Japan? <laughs> I, I don't know. I need to look at the never heard of. Right? Now, maybe Probably. they just know how to play that. But it's weird. You would think the U.S. guys would 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 be favored, but. So you haven't watched much of it at all, if Not any? Not really at all. I've saw, I saw the uh, the gif of uh, Adam Jones robbing the home run, and I saw Stanton's home run on Twitter. But now I haven't really been uh, watching any of it. it you know, I kind of don't like having players in it. You know, I mean, obviously there's so oh. many star players that are that are in it. But, like, especially if they go deep, it's like they get all this emotion and adrenaline rush, and they get ramped up to full speed so quickly. And it's like then they got to come down and, like, go back into the grind of the regular season. I, I don't – it's not great for fantasy baseball. Oh, I totally yeah. No, I'm with you as far as that. Not wanting to, uh, not wanting to have my 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 fantasy guys participate, especially the pitchers. Um, okay, it's funny. I'm looking at the last I checked, uh, Japan was favored. Now U.S. is minus 140. That just has to be a function of homer. You know, U.S. the money going on on the home team. That has to be a function of that. I'm guessing. Yeah, but I mean, you think the home team with the bigger name star Major League Baseball players should be favored. It was, it's weird that Japan was favored originally, but I right, guess it right. kind of sounds like Japan's probably the good bet if they said it like that originally, and now the lines move that much. Right. Yeah, it is in L.A., as you mentioned. So anyway, I thought that's been pretty uh, pretty fun and entertaining, but I am with you as far as your, your fantasy players not wanting to get taxed. And it's not like, a, you know, a, they have pitch limits and all that stuff, but it's not like a, your regular exhibition game where you're working on stuff and, and, and not – taxed these people are absolutely treating it full bore 100 percent. so it's definitely different and, and i hear you in that aspect for sure i Especially guess some of them can get up to like hot starts in april like they're just full speed where everyone else is sort of getting warmed up you I know mean, i mean you can see it that way but i don't know i don't know if that's good like emotionally to be on this huge roller coaster where you're you're playing for your country it's like such a big deal and then you go back down and you're playing like the astros in like april 12th what about March Madness? You watch any any NCAA hoops or no? Nah, I don't give a shit about that. I know. I was just curious. It was you didn't miss too much either. Uh, you know what? Of... I do. I, when I'm in the U.S., I do watch a little bit, and I do like it. And I used to get really into it in college. I used to watch it all the time, but I don't know. College sports, not that down with college sports. Yeah, the product is obviously not as good, and, and, and especially these days when when they're you know all the best players are one and done. You can't ever really get to know a team. And especially when you're someone like myself who only pays attention during the tournament. Um, uh, uh, and uh, the, the, the officiating has been pretty atrocious as well. So, uh, yeah, the product isn't as great. But, you know, there, it, it can the be entertaining. The is a great structure. Like, it's a great setup. The one and done, anybody can win, is, is a great, you know, it's like the NBA sadly has these boring-ass long series and doesn't have that kind of drama. I mean, by the time you get to Game 7, it's like you've seen how much of this stuff can you watch anymore, you know? It's like... So I, I get it. It's great. Um, I'm into it when, you know, when I'm, like, watching at a normal time and actually, like, paid more atten- some attention where I had some serious pools. I entered your pool after last week's podcast at the last second. And because we were doing the podcast, you know, 45 minutes before it locked, um, I was actually literally talking to you while just forwarding the free bracket that I put into Peter Shanky's pool. Peter Shanky's, like, 
This is the free staff one. You'll get a note in the ring of honor if you win. It's no money. So I literally put it together in like 40 seconds, and I was just doing weird stuff. And I, I forgot, you know, because it was like a day or two later when you and I were talking. And I had Creighton going to the Elite Eight. I don't know why. I, don't, I can't <laughs> name a player. I was just like, oh, let's just put this like 11 seed in the Elite Eight just because why not, you know. And so then I, you know, yours is 50 bucks. So I like just forward that into yours. And then we're like getting into the tournament. And I'm like, wait. I've Creighton in the Elite Eight? Like, what the fuck? Like, I would never would have done that in a $50 pool. Only in a free pool would I do something like that. Um, and so, wow. You know what, though? There's just, there's just 15 people in my pool, and you have Kansas winning it. So you actually are still very much alive because of the, the, the format, you know, that doubles. I'm not going to win. That. No, I can't win because I was looking at um, two other people had Kansas, I think. And I had uh, Duke in the final. So, like, right. I, I, I mean, and I had Creighton in the Elite Eight. Like, there's almost no way I'm going to win even if Kansas wins. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, when's the last time you've been uh, back to the States? Uh, I know you're like, as you said, you're going, you're going to town. Which town are you in? AL. AL only. Okay. And then uh, is this the first time in, in a long time, right? I haven't been in the States since July 20th, the day we left for Berlin. Yeah. So that's, that's are you looking forward to it? Far the longest I've been out of the country. I mean, my max was like two weeks before something like that. <laughs> this is, this is six months, so it's going to be weird. I'm not even going back home. I'm going to New York. Well, it's where I'm from, but it's not where I live. So I'm kind of dreading the flight. You know, I, I wrote well, that's thing. a perfect perfect segue, actually. I was going to you know, give you the, the floor here, talk about a couple of, of articles that you've written recently, and the first might as well be your airplane travel column, which I, I enjoyed. I, I read it from beginning to finish, and, I, and I'd recommend it. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean – it's so obvious, right? Like airport security and the, the whole process of getting on a plane is so horrific and everybody agrees with it. It's just, it's a terrible dehumanizing experience and, and it's totally avoidable. And so basically, you know, when you get to the airport, the problem is you have to pay to check a bag and it's free to carry on a bag. So what that does is incentivizes everybody to carry their bag through the airport as much as possible. I thought that was your best. I thought that was their best point. I never thought of that. That's like fundamentally backward. It's totally stupid because, A, like dragging your fucking bag through the airport is, is a pain in the ass. If you have to go take a piss or you got to go eat some food or you got to go, you know, you want to go buy a book or whatever, it's like you're lugging this bag with you. Security takes much longer because everyone's got to put their bag on the conveyor belt, right? So that's like a whole other thing. And then also everybody's lined up at the gate, even though it's, the plane's not boarding for 20 more minutes because they're terrified that if they don't line up now, even though they have an assigned seat, that they're going to miss the precious overhead space. And then what are they going to do? You're going to have to put your bag in the very back, and then you're going to wait for everyone to get off the plane. You've got to go back and get it. Okay, so that's one thing. So now you're waiting for 20 minutes standing up before, you even, before the gate even opens. Then it opens, and you're standing there online in the jetway waiting for everybody to put each bag in. There's like six people per aisle, even on a small plane, and they're all putting each bag in, and it takes time. So everyone's crawling so slowly, and it takes half an hour, 40 minutes to board. So even if you get on early, you're, like, sitting there for half an hour in this uncomfortable, shitty seat before the plane even takes off because you're waiting for everyone to put their goddamn bags in, which takes forever. Okay? And then, of course, on the way out, it takes another 15 minutes. You're waiting for them to get their bags out so you can leave the plane. And all this is avoidable. If they're all checked, you just go right on the plane. Everybody just has their carry-on, you know, their, their under-the-seat carry-on. It takes 10 minutes to board. You're not, you're not wasting half an hour of everybody's time with these bags and another, you know, 20, 10 minutes extra on the way out. And you're not worried about uh, overhead space because you don't need it, so you're not, like, standing there. And so that is a huge savings of time and, and stress and standing in line. So that's, that's obvious, right? But that's just the beginning, right? 
the last flight I the last flight I was on in Southwest they actually opened the back and front and let let people leave in the back and in the front and uh, I found that interesting and that was a little bit more efficient but a you're still so right I, but it's just, I mean it's still you know it's like you got to wait for everybody with their stupid ass bag right it is so and I can't believe it. it takes 15 minutes just to unload because of all those o- o- overhead baggage it's, it's right it's nobody crazy. should have bags there right and they should actually just pull those out because it's so low you hit your head if you stand up and like it's just so claustrophobic being in a plane like if you if you were to just you know, only have a couple of storages for online baggage for people who really need it, like people with small kids, and pull that shit out. Just have a higher ceiling, more space. It would be a lot nicer. And then, and then secondly, the other big thing is security. Like, first of all, the bags alone would help really speed up security because you've got everyone's got to load their bags on the, the conveyor belt. But why are we going fucking single file through a metal detector? And all the bags go through single file. And there's some dude sitting there who sits through 40 hours a week of thousands and thousands of bags finding absolutely nothing except people's fucking toothpaste and shampoo that he tells people they have to, to pour out and they're looking at him all pissed off and that's his entire job and he never finds anything of any importance ever and if they did it would be national news if they found a bomb or someone with a gun accessible on the plane it would be big news you never hear anything these guys go through 40 hours a week of having an absolutely pointless job and they must be bored out of their skulls and they never find anything and there's actually been tests done by like the TSA to sneak contraband through there and they usually get through right so this is all just total crap what you do instead is you have a room-wide metal detector. yeah wasn't that head guy uh, fired a couple years ago yeah they fired like the head of it because it wasn't working but you know it's no better it's just it's just security theater but to the extent you're serious about it and you want the metal detectors and you care about it you have a metal detector that's the size of a room and everybody walks through at the same time and if somebody has something that sets it off, like a belt or whatever, it'll shine a little infrared thing on them or flag them somehow. And they'll say, no, you can't come with us. Go back through again. And instead of putting your bag on a single file thing and waiting for all these like older people who take 20 minutes to get their bag on the conveyor belt, just have a, uh, another 50-foot wide conveyor belt that everybody goes to. Instead of a, a plastic bin, you have a, closed, a locking plastic bin with a key in it, like a locker room. You get your key. You open the bin. You put your stuff in. You lock the bin. You put it on. Everybody just does it as soon as they get there. And then they all walk through it once, and they collect their bin on the other side. Now you, there's no line for security. Security is just something that happens all at once, and there's a scanner through which all the bins go. That's it. Done. Right? Now there's no security lines, and you're not even carrying all these bags, so it's even faster. I don't, I don't see the issue. And you just put the key back in the bin when you're done with it, and it gets recycled for somebody else to use. So those, those, are, my, those are my main points. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense to me. It is a very frustrating experience. Uh, go, I mean, people are so slow. And, and even to this day, after even though it's been like whatever, how many years since they've implemented these changes, I, I still inevitably get – Behind people who say, "What I got to take my shoes off? What I got to take my belt off? Like, oh, I got to put this laptop in this bucket." I mean, they, right. half the people don't even know what they're doing, and it's just like it's like the but, first time. I swear, half the people in front of me—it's the first time they've flown in the last twenty years. It's just but, almost but, always happens. But the fault, you know, isn't with them, right? It's like this dehumanizing, cumbersome process that nobody should have to deal with. And 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 the thing, you know, that's so ridiculous is like the, the message to the human being going to the airport is fuck you. We don't give a fuck about your time. We don't give a fuck about your experience. We don't care that you're stressed out that you're, you've got here an hour and a half early and now the line is so long and you're stressed out. You're going to miss the flight. And you, yet you still have to sit there and wait and wait and have stress and carry this bag that probably should have been checked, but we're going to charge you 75 bucks to check it. So you're fucking got the shit on your shoulder. You're stressing out and they treat you like a fucking 
cattle and you it's just miserable it's so dehumanizing it's like the airport who's it for it's for me it's for you it's for people human beings wanting to travel we pay for the ticket our taxes pay for the airports make it treat you like a human being you know which is just what i'm saying and and the easy thing about the checking the bags like so when you bring a bag to the airport not only should it be free to check the moment you make contact with the airport whether it's in the train station below the airport that you take hopefully there's good public transportation which that should be a given or at the curbside, you know, with your cab, there should be a giant conveyor belt that you literally just dump your bags on right away. You don't need a porter. You don't need to tip anybody. You don't need bag tags. You have a little chip in your bag that's synced with your boarding pass. It knows which flight to put it on because your chip has your info on it, and your boarding pass is in the system telling it where you are going, which plane you're going on. And it just you just put it in, and it goes right through. Of course, there needs to be security to you know, scan your bag, but they do that now. When you go now and check your bag, they don't open it you know, at the check-in gate. They just put it on the thing, and obviously somebody, it goes through some sort of x-ray scanner. So it's the same thing. And, and you just build that. It's not that expensive. A bunch of conveyor belts under the airport. I mean, a few million bucks here or there. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I guess most people che- uh, carry on all their luggage, but I'm, I'm one of those weirdo- weirdos that always checks a bag. I don't, I, just, I don't know. I always have shaving cream or whatever in there that, uh, that it's, I know it's more than three ounces, and I apparently pack heavily and then I just bring a backpack on with my laptop and a couple magazines, and and, and I can, that I can just put under right. the seat in front of me. I don't well, ever deal with overhead. I haven't dealt with an overhead bin ever. And uh, uh, but waiting in that line to check the bag is a pain in the ass. But um, but I don't you know. Fly, it, well, you always fly to short flights too. But but the thing is, you should be compensated. You're getting. You're the one paying, and you're the one who makes it easier for everybody. You quicker through security. You're not clogging up the I, whole system. Yeah, I always I always fly southwest and um you're right yeah it's the, it's the free it's right. free check bag right. exactly you're saying and um yeah no it's uh and it's just they're they're gross too bathrooms too <laughs> the floors and everything it's uh I don't know what are your thoughts about the whole um the, that x-ray thing cuz I, I I almost 99 98 times out of 100 I do the one that you have to you know hold your 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 hands above your head that extra crazy one the, the circles you know I mean do you worry about that oh, you do that, that? oh cancer? oh yeah you're definitely getting brain cancer I mean it's like 75% in like the next five I figure years. if that if that's what puts me in after all the other stuff I've done then that, that's that that would be funny but um so, be funny. So, that's but, like such a waste like for that bullshit you, you actually that's what killed you so I would get you demand pat what a pat down you pat you down. demand yeah. pat downs for different reasons though that's different yeah, but we'll I never like the little nut gray, the little testicle graze that you get while you're getting patted down it's a nice it's a nice little bonus no, I just I'm just like fuck that. I, I, you know, look. Now that I've got global entry, I can just go through the metal thing. So like, I pay, that's just so worth it. Skip the line. Okay. But I don't think that's the, the solution for everything here. Is um, okay. Well, it really is horribly dehumanizing process to go through security. So why don't we have the people that can afford to pay a hundred bucks who travel enough and pay money make it a little easier on them? We're not gonna like make the thing better for everybody, but the rich people are the ones with the influence. So we'll just make it a little easier on them. How's that? Is that better? Like. That's their solution rather than just fundamentally fixing the problem, which is just, you know, it, it's like, yeah, I get it. 9-11 happened. But first of all, 9-11 was not even a failure of airport security. Nobody had a gun or a bomb on those planes. It was box cutters. So it was a failure of government intelligence. They certainly haven't fixed that shit. So, so their response to that was like, let's dehumanize the population and make them all seem like potential threats. So anyway, well, a couple, things, couple, couple things about that real quick I just want to comment on. Uh, two other things. Not only, as you said, box cutters, but also you can't get into the cockpit anymore. Um, right. that, that's, that's key. And, and right. the other thing is people, the reason that, that part of the reason that, 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 you know, came to completion is because 
all the passengers didn't they just assume that they're flying to some destination right. you know right. what i mean they thought it'd be like um, a blackmail hostage thing not like just right. suicide so not only would that not last um now it didn't even last that day the other one, you know, head of right. the Pentagon or whatever, the people got word from their family that, right. oh, this is a suicide mission. And obviously didn't have a happy ending, but people, you know, they they fought back. So it didn't even last hours before people, you know, well, behaved that's, differently. that's the story we got. That's the story we got. I, I mean, that may well be true, but then again, someone might have shot it down, too. Okay. All right. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a total 9-11 truther. I'm not that far, but, like, I, I'm also suspicious of, of the official story. But whatever. I don't want to get too down that rabbit hole, which I don't, trust me, I could go. Oh, but I digressed a bit. You're asking about those metal detectors. And so I go, I don't, I go through the regular one. I have a global entry, but before I had it, I got the path down every time. And it, I don't want that fucking radiation. And they're like, no, 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 it's safe. It's safe. You really think that's safe? You believe that shit? Look, who made those? No, that's why I asked you. I'm curious. Oh. I'm definitely Look, skeptical. Oh, yeah. when, 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 Thornberry used to say, so. when you are at the dentist and you get an x-ray, they put that thing on your chest, and the dentist or the technician goes in the other room to press the button, right? Right, right. They're not like, stand, right. you know what I mean? Like, so that, that thing's going around and around, and the guy's working there. It's terrible. Like, they're like five feet from that thing. And whenever the guy's patting me down or they're looking at me or whatever, like, what's, what's up with him? Why is he not going through? I'm like, dude, you guys, I, I wouldn't trust this. You guys shouldn't be working here all day. I wouldn't, you know, and, and they just get pissed at me when I say that. But I, I'm kind of joking because they're, like, giving me a hard time, so I start giving, getting under their skin a little bit. But, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm kind of serious. Like, you think that company, which, which is just total bullshit, it's like some contractor that, that is friends with somebody in the government was like, oh, we can build these things at, like, $20 million a pop, and we'll install them at some airports, and you hire us to do it. And they're like, that's great. That's much better security than what we have. Let's do that. We need to be tough on terror. So he gets his buddy, this big contract, and that guy's company builds these fucking things, right? And they say, yeah, it's safe. We've done the test. Oh, yeah, can you prove it? Yeah, we did some internal studies. Here they are. Here's our studies. There's no radiation. We put some animals in there. They didn't get sick. Whatever they did, right? So they're like, okay, sign off. It's good. You really believe that they know that that stuff is safe long term? You think they have any idea that that stuff is safe? They have no idea. They don't care. If, if people start getting cancer like 15, 20 years from now and nobody knows what it's from and they're not going to be able to prove that it came from those things, the only way they can prove it is if the people that work there get it, you know, like in a crazy disproportionate amount. That they can right. prove. But, like, those people have no power. Those people are all poor. Like, maybe they get a class action and whatever. But, like, you know, it, it's just one of these things where – Come on. You really think someone's minding the story there with the safety of those things? I'm not saying I know that they're bad. I'm just saying, like, look at the, the dentist and the way they deal with x-rays. I'm not walking through that shit. Every time I fly so much, I'm not every time going through that shit. I'll deal with the pat down. And as I said, you get a free nut rub. <laughs> well, that's why I ask because I, I always end up just dealing with it, and it's probably – Probably something I'll regret down the down the road. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're not saying that it is bad, but you're you're saying that you're sure that that they don't know that it's not I'm bad. Saying that I'm not sure that they don't know this bad, but if we're betting money on it, whether it's truly been tested and vetted, I would bet more than even you know I'd definitely bet a lot on even money that it's not seriously vetted in any sort of rigorous sense. Right. Because that's right, well, profit source that that machinery. Funny that we're both talking about this. We're both gonna have to deal with this in a couple days, right. so um, should be should be fun. Well, uh, they don't have that that bullshit. They don't have that X-ray one. They just have the metal detector. Is fine. It's a metal detector, right? I mean, right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm dealing with what is it, McLaren Airport in, in Vegas. That's a, a real classy uh, airport. But let's talk a little baseball before we go. We don't have to make a long podcast here. But um, uh, once again, I'll give you the the floor because you came out with what three blog posts recently, basically concluding your whole steamer. 
uh, NFBC type valuation. I believe they were all um, no, they weren't all just hitters, actually hitters and and pitchers here. So so go ahead, uh, pontificate, list. Yeah, just a, I, I'll just give you my findings, right? So what I did with Steamer, sort of the best machine-based projections, and the NFBC ADP is the best sort of wisdom of crowds, wisdom of an informed crowd, human-based projections. And I, you know, kind of compared and contrasted them, what the humans like, what players the machine likes, which players they differ on, which players they agree on, and to, to score uh, the NFBC draft by dollar value and, you know, say, well, how do they do versus Steamer? And I had a few things that, that I did that I think improved the overall rankings. First off, I, we used to say Kershaw's a no-brainer, number one over Trout. But when I reran the numbers, Kershaw's only 86 cents more than Trout. And, and the funny thing is I did it for, for the NFBC contest. And, and the NFBC, when I, when I converted their uh, rankings, their ADP, into dollar values, and I added up all the pitching ones and all the hitting ones, what do you think? You know, you do 70-30 splits for hitting pitching. Say that's like a standard split, like in labor sure, or something. Sure. What do you think the NFBC split is? Um, 60-40. Not that extreme. It's 66-34. But it's okay. considerably more pitching heavy than, you know, if you, if you were to translate their each pick into a certain dollar value and go down from, you know, the $45 at number one to $1 ones at number 276, which is 12-team league, 23 players a team. So it's like, okay, so... They're spending even more on pitching. And when I did it that way, Kershaw was worth less. Now, how could that be? Kershaw should be worth more, right? Because he was way more than Trout on the 70-30 split. Why is he less in the NFBC? Well, I did two things differently. One is I took out all the closers, and I counted them as a separate position. So instead of having nine pitchers and calculating value that way, I pretended you had six starters, two relievers, and one flex. It could be a reliever or a starter. And when you rerun the numbers that way, because that's how you have to play in the NFPC. You can't just not have saves because you'll never win the overall and half your entry fee goes to the overall. When you do it that way, then Kershaw's going against only starters. So there's more guys who contribute in whip and ERA, which is Kershaw's strongest categories, because the baseline is is worse for starters than it is for relievers. So that oddly brings down his value a little bit. Secondly, I think Steamer, I'm pretty sure, changed his value. It changes projections a little bit. They... They gave him like .97 whip instead of .92 and 230, .70 RA instead of .230. I don't know why, and I'm not even positive they did, but my memory serves me. I think they changed the projection a little bit. And then third, um, when I did the hitters, and again, they're only getting 66, not 70 now, I took out catchers. And I added up what the NFBC spends on catchers. And what it turns out is that the NFBC, if you go by ADP, spends basically double the resources on closers as it does catchers. So twice as much money is being taken away from starting pitchers and put toward closers as it is taken from regular position players and put toward catchers. So when you did all three of those things, um, it turned out the Trout was still less than Kershaw, but by 86 cents. And so that number one pick is not a no-brainer. It's actually kind of a close call. That is interesting. Um, that is surprising because before, how many how many more dollars was he? He was like six more dollars or something like that. Well, that's drastic then. Yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, fundamentally, it makes sense. I mean, we're the I, we're crazy enough to say Kershaw over Trout, but I, I I feel like it was kind of a coin flip. I do feel like those two are the the clear cut guys and on my board. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so too. And now a couple other findings. Uh, there's two closers that. Uh, According to Steamer, through my system, are the fifth and seventh overall pitchers. Those would be Kenley Jansen and Roldis Chapman, respectively, ahead of Kluber and a couple other guys, ahead of Cueto. Um, no catcher was even worth $20 after adjusting for the catcher scarcity and using a lower baseline for them. I'm going to punt catchers as I have been. I just don't think they're worth it. If, you know, if you can get Posey in, like, the sixth round or something or Sanchez in the fifth or sixth, 
good, but you're not going to get them there, and they're not worth it. The last thing was when I compared the outliers, I looked at, okay, which guys does Steamer really like uh, much more than the NFBC guys, and which, does the, which do the NFBC guys like much more than Steamer? And when I did that, all the guys that the NFBC liked were speed guys. And you can look at that two ways. One is I didn't make a special, I didn't make a special scarcity adjustment for steals like I did for saves. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, Steamer's measuring real life value, right? I no, mean, no, no. Steamer's doing five by five projections. I mean, they do more than that, but I took their five by five projection. Okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, I got, I got what you're saying. I got, I, I got what you're saying. Okay. okay, so I took their projections, and you know, they're valuing you know the Adam Joneses and Carlos Gonzalez's and Matt Carpenters and players like that higher, and the NFBC loves the Jonathan VRs and the you know AJ Pollocks and the you know, all the fast guys, a lot higher, D Gordon, whatever. Steamer says they're worth way less than the FBC does. But they are, whether you should or not, they are drafting that way. They are pushing up the steals guys uh, beyond their overall value just because of the scarcity of those steals. And, and right or wrong, that matters, right? The, the fact that, that that is happening, right? Right or wrong, you have to account for that. Yes and no. And this is sort of the question, and this is sort of, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Okay. With, with the saves, you have to get saves. Again, the NFBC is an overall contest, and half your entry fee goes toward the overall to try to win the hundred grand. And you can't just say, "Oh, I don't care about the overall. I'm just going to try to do well in my league and get second place." You can't punt saves. So, so there's only thirty closers, probably twenty-eight usable ones at any given time, and you must get your share of them. You can't just not get them. But with steals, I mean, you can be a little light on steals and be like, "Well, you know, the waivers sometimes guys get called up." Last year, VR was a either a waiver wire or a 28th-round pick or whatever. Trey Turner came out of nowhere, stole a ton of bases. Eduardo Nunez stole a ton of bases out of nowhere. Steals come from nowhere sometimes. You know, saves, there's turnover, but people have the closers in waiting. You know, it, it's, it, it's not as easy to get the saves, and everybody knows, sees it coming, and everyone bids a million dollars on the waiver wire. But with steals, right. it, it's a little bit easier to acquire during the season. Maybe that's true. I mean, maybe that's true. It's not like Trey Turner wasn't on every single team leaving the draft last year. But I'm sure people dropped him and VR was, you know, picked up or picked super late. Uh, again, like, it's not easy because also you can get a Jared Dyson situation where the guy gets 300 at-bats and he's scoring 38 runs on the year and you just can't have him in your lineup just for the just, steals. That, same with Rajay Davis when he wasn't a starter. I mean, those, are, those guys, unless you're in a daily format – who, by the way, those guys skyrocket in value in that case if, you, if you're willing to you know, see if they're in the starting lineup on a given day. But otherwise, you're right. They just destroy you in four other categories to the point that they're just worthless. Even, even if they're getting 35 bags and 300 at-bats, that sounds almost better in a way, but that's only if you're able to use them when they're starting, basically. And some of those come pinch running also, which are worthless. Right. You, you, need, you need 80 runs. You know, I mean, you really need 80 runs with your steel guy. You can't because he's not going to get you power. You know, the, and if he hits 275, you know, you can't have him hit 240 with 43 runs. It just, he's not right. rosterable. So that is the right. problem with steals. And I'm not saying you can find the steals. I'm saying it's just not a closed number of 30, like a closer. Like there's just only these guys who, who have this capacity. Anybody could steal, can be different positions. Usually it's obviously outfield and middle infield. There's not many first baseman, third baseman, though there's a few. Um, and so it's, it's really only a couple positions, but you, it's not a fixed number. So, so, so that's one thing. And the second thing is, is it better to say, you know what, the market is, I need this commodity, the market's making it expensive, I need to get in and pay for it to compete. Or to say, you know what, 
I'm going to get so much more value as these guys overpay for steals. I'm going to take the, the surplus that's left over in the Adam Joneses and the Carlos Gonzalez and the slow guys that people aren't drafting. And then because steals are, you know, it is possible to get sort of later steals guys. They just need to get the job and, and keep it. Um, kind of gamble on that aspect of your draft. And my, I've been leaning toward the latter, that I think it's, I think it's better to not really pay up for Jonathan VR in round two and gamble later on. So it's so funny. Uh, I, I did not enter uh, this season thinking I wanted Jonathan VR in a lot of my teams. And um, totally, he has, a, he has a 20th ADP in NFBC. In Yahoo leagues, it's, fi- it's round 5.1. And, and my colleagues keep making fun of me. I, I get that there's going to be regression, but this guy led all of baseball at 62 steals, added 19 homers. He's 25 years old. Milwaukee has increased home runs over the last three years, like by the second highest percentage of, of, of any stadium other than like, uh, no, sorry, other than Yankee Stadium. Um, and he just ends up on a ton of my teams because I feel like they're they're correcting in, in other formats other than NFBC, who, where I think he's getting kind of properly drafted because if you based him off last year's stats, it'd be a top five pick. So he's an interesting guy that just happens to keep ending up on my teams. But it's just basically uh, 100% just on the market in which I've been drafting. But in NFBC, that'll be an entirely different story. I've already done one, and I'm going to do a big $1,500 Rotowire uh, championship um, in, in a couple weeks, which I'm looking forward to. But I really feel like, don't you think you should be going 20th and not uh, 45th or somewhere in between? What okay. do you think? So Steamer, uh, this is just with my projections, and again, without giving any extra bonus for steals, it's treated like any other category. They have VR as a 21 dollar and 48 cents player steamers projections but nfbc based on adp has him as a 30 dollar player 30 dollar and 38 cent player so nine dollars more i mean the the nfbc values at the very top are a little skewed the way i did it but i think this is fair that he's the 20th adp overall so i i have been 30.38 but you know you could say he's should be 29 whatever 28 but he's still a good seven bucks more so steamer has him as a legitimate player certainly higher than fifth round probably more like mid fourth you know and steamer is looking at his steals and how many steals he's likely to have and building in some regression and the power and the age and the park and all those things that steamer uses and they're not perfect but they have him somewhere with that length of track record how real is this right that's steamer's whole thing is how real is it it's a, a bayesian system where it's like they have their belief about the guy based on his priors based on what he's done and, and, and how much of it, and they keep adding new data as it goes and refining their understanding, and to the extent that there's uncertainty about who he is, they regress. And they, they've back-tested it, I assume, in such a way that this is, like, the most accurate way to do it for the general population of players. And so that doesn't mean that he, you know, every player is individual, so Steamer can be totally wrong in any one of these players. They're just saying what usually happens with these guys at this age in this situation. So they have been $21.50, and again, that's not adjusting for... For scarcity, I think the NFBC that their projections for him are probably not that different. Their mental projections than Steamers. It's just that they're valuing those projections differently. They're making those steals more valuable because they're scarce. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, he strikes out a lot. I doubt he'll hit 285 again. But he also walks a lot. Like the on base is, is pretty good. So we'll see. He's definitely an interesting test case. Normally, I'm not a guy wanting to pay for last year's stats. Kind of came out of nowhere, but. Again, the, the Yahoo formats, he's just really fallen. And that's partially because of my, my colleagues, Andy, Pianow, and, and Brandon. I don't think really believe in him at all. Well, and why that's, are they that's... so dubious? I mean, you're right. He, the year before, he had like a little mini breakout. He was serviceable in like a part-time role. It's not like this is a total scrub who can't hit, right? I mean, as of 2015, he started to look like he could hit. He was kind of like Cesar Hernandez this year. Like he was like a 
a guy who ran and got on base, and maybe this guy's not bad. And then he had the breakout. So I, I, I'm surprised they're that skeptical. But, you know, Steamer is, is not that skeptical. They have him as a 21, $21.5 player. So that's, you know, that's still like probably the 40th or 50th overall player. You got anything else, Liz? You want to talk politics? What I, I know, I know. Next week we'll um, we'll have some good stuff. You, you can talk about the tout resort results, and I'll talk about League of Leagues. So we'll have um, some actual, a uh, little bit less nonsense than usual, and some actual um, draft results to talk about, and so not just baseball, but other sports as well. So you got anything else for me before we head out for the yeah, for the weekend trip? Yeah, I got one more thing. I I, I could get into politics, but I, I'm just gonna not. But um, I uh, got my NFBC main event draft slot today. I found out. And I got second, and that was my top choice. And right, right. It's messed up because people probably are getting suspicious, but they t- it's totally above board. But the last four years, I've gotten first, second, first, second. The last four years, my draft slot at the main, and it, which is just very unlikely to get that. I, I'm very happy to get second because uh, I think I'll get Kershaw, though. Matt Modica, a guy uh, I follow on Twitter who knows what he's doing, is picking Yeah, first. I know him. We and follow each got, other, too. He's got two number ones. He got the number one Saturday and Sunday. And he said he's going to go Kershaw on one and Trout in the other. He's just not sure which. So I'm hoping he goes Trout. I hope he's not man enough to go Kershaw, actually, is what it is. Or if he's, you know, shocked the world and take, like, Mookie bets there. But the thing is, I'm hoping to get Kershaw. I think it's easier to build your team with the two hitters at that turn on the way back. And I looked at it in the 15-teamer, and if I get Trout, which I'm very happy at number two, I may take Verlander and Strasburg at two and three, which is pushing them up about 10, 15 picks. But I don't like the pitchers that are there on the way back. And it's sort of like now or never. <laughs> I have Trout get two pitchers. And so that's why I'd rather have Kershaw and get two hitters on the two, three turn. You can't get Darvish there? I doubt it. And I don't really like him that much. Okay. All right. Interesting. My, my guy, Strasburg, I like it. Um, no, you're totally right. I mean, obviously, they're not coming all the way back. And if you don't like the other pitchers coming back, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, it, yeah, it sucks that it's not, uh, quote, unquote, value or and you're, you're reaching or whatever. But, yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah. yeah so those two guys aren't coming back to me in 4-5. And exactly. so I don't want to take Carlos Carrasco with whatever elbow issue he has. I mean, I could. Or Carlos Martinez, who walks too many guys, but he throws really hard. I mean, there's guys like that. I don't even think DeGrom makes it back at the 4-5. So, oh, I'd take him for sure. But other, So otherwise, you're saying if you draft Kershaw, too, then you kind of like the two hitters there. You feel more comfortable. Right. I like Ryan Braun there, Stanton. There, there's plenty of guys that fall typically to that level. So if I get Kershaw and then I get Braun and Stanton on the 2-3, now I'm happy. Now i got plenty of power, good average from Braun, 15 steals from Braun, the best pitcher. and Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. You're not, you're not flying back for that. Are you doing that? Are you doing that online? No, I'm flying back for that. that. That's the same weekend as Tout. It's both uh, this weekend. And I'm doing it in New York. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That'll be fun. Two boys that then? Was that Saturday night? Um, no, mine's on Sunday. I think it's the only league drafting Sunday. The guy who won it, Rob Silver, who's in our League of Leagues, he's in it. Yeah. There's a bunch of other, like, every, you know, any NFBC main league is always loaded. Like, you're never going to get a league that has a bunch of scrubs in it. But I like it. You know, I mean, to me, it's like bring on the best players. It's fun. The environment's fun. So. Yeah, definitely. Looking All right. Well, good it. luck. Good luck. And we'll be in touch a lot this weekend, too, as much as you can. Um, but, you know, we'll be back and forth. Uh, I'll, uh, you updated your NFL cheat sheet, you said? Yeah, I didn't put Marshawn Lynch on it because he's still officially retired. But, like, the last pick in the draft, I was thinking, get Marshawn Lynch. Right. <laughs> okay. Just right. don't forget about those guys. Like, last time I told you to get Joel Embiid and you totally forgot. 
No, no, no. We had him. I just couldn't hold him for oh. the entire year. The entire year. Oh, I last couldn't, year we couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think that actually, I shouldn't admit this, but I think I didn't realize that we had two injured spots and I might have been able to. I kind of you, blew that. If but, we lose, if we, I, but you're I, doing I, well in that league. We're making money. We just got PayPal 625 bucks each and we may get more if you can pull out this hoop. So, I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm, we are we are. We are tied for first entering today. Nice. It's really coming down to the end. It's pretty intense. I'm reasonably satisfied with your performance. The uh, oh. And also we're in second in the NFBKC. And we're gaining a little, but just put the, the pedal down because there's a lot of crazy stuff in April. I know. A lot of ground. I know. I am, I'm on it. All right, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. You too, Liz. Later. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get that free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. More than $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW.